0: Franz Wagner is headed to Eurobasket, one of my favorite tournaments. I'm looking forward to it. Plus, the things that we learned from Summer League.
1: It's time for a Thursday edition of Locked On Magic. You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando magic podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: You are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is July 21st, 2022. My name is Philip Ross. I'm the expert and site editor over at orlandomagicdaily.com. You can, can of course, follow me on Twitter at underscore omd On today's episode of Locked On Magic, Franz Wagner is headed to Eurobasket. We'll talk a little bit about what to expect from him and what he can gain from playing in this prestigious international tournament for Germany as he uh, makes his debut on the German national team. Plus, we're going to go over some of the things that we learned about this Orlando Magic team from Summer League, perhaps projecting a little bit into the future. I've I've already been kind of called out for saying I shouldn't be reading into anything from Summer League. But I do think there are some breadcrumbs that are worth exploring. We'll get into all that Coming up here in just a moment, but first, we want to thank you again for making Locked On Magic part of your day every day. No matter when you listen to us, whether it's first thing in the morning, whether it's right when we upload, we truly appreciate you making Locked On Magic part of your day every day. Remember, there's a great Locked On podcast covering every single team in the NBA, plus NFL and MLB. I know MLB is going on right now. NFL is getting ready to kick kick off. There's a great podcast for you. Make it part of your daily rotation right after you listen to Locked On Magic, of course. Remember, search for Locked and the team you're looking for, the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. So the big news for the Orlando Magic, or not big news, but the news for the Orlando Magic over the last few days uh, was the announcement uh, that was posted on FIBA's website that Franz Wagner and Mo Wagner have been officially named to the German national team roster. For Franz Wagner... This will be his first time playing for the senior men's national team. He's played for the junior team. He last played in 20, uh, 2019 on the U nineteen team. I believe it's twenty nineteen. I'm maybe blanking on the years here, but he last played for them in the twenty nineteen team. Uh, they did not get out of the knockout stage. German German basketball is in kind of a weird spot, and, and they've been in a weird spot really since Dirk Nowitzki retired. Um, they've been they they just made the Olympics for the first time, and I think it was twelve years. Um, last year, Mo Wagner had a big hand in that, helping them get through the qualifying tournament and get to Tokyo. So last summer, that was a big, big get for for Mo Wagner. Getting Franz now on the team is so big for Germans for Germany's future as, as a basketball program. They've gotten some great play from Dennis Schroeder over the last couple ter- over the last couple international tournaments. He did not play in, in last year's Olympics, uh, but he's been a big part of Germany, especially as they've gone through FIBA World Cup qualifying this summer. Uh, because Eurobasket Euro takes place uh, beginning on September 1st, they do have some FIBA World Cup qualifiers that take place uh, in late August. I believe it's August 25th and August 27th. So I would expect Franz Wagner to be available for that. I, I expect that to be sort of Germany's warm-up for Eurobasket. Now, if you don't know what Eurobasket is, Eurobasket is the continental championship uh, for, Europe, for, for FIBA Europe. Um, so, you, you know, think of it this way. If you watch soccer— there's the UEFA Euro competition. Uh, the women's Euro is going on right now. It's just a tournament of all the teams in Europe. There's the tournament of, of the Americas here uh, in, in, in this part of the world. Um, it is not taken super seriously. Uh, there was a point where the U.S. did take it seriously when it was used for Olympic qualifying uh, and for some World Cup qualifying. Um, they, they dominated that, obviously, because they're the U.S. And, and currently, the U.S. is um, in FIBA World Cup qualifying um, using a bunch of G League, using G League players for the most part. Uh, they have qualified to the next round of World Cup qualifying. I do keep look uh, tabs on this. I am, I am personally very invested in U.S. US basketball, but that's neither here nor here there. Eurobasket's really the, the big, big international competition when there's not a FIBA World Cup going on and there's not the Olympics going on. The FIBA World Cup will be next summer. Uh, I believe it is in Australia, I want to say. um it's going to be very, a lot of early mornings uh, if, you're, if you're like me and want to watch this. But Eurobasket takes place uh, in September, September 1st. I believe it's September 22nd. It's going to end right before training camp begins. Now, Germany is not expected to be a medal contender. Let's just get that out of the way right here. Um, Franz Wagner, uh, I think Germany's goal, they're hosting the tournament, but Germany's goal, I think, in this tournament is to get out of the knockout, get out of the group stage into the knockout round, and, and they really should do that, especially with the talent that they have on their team. Dennis Schroeder has been kind of the driving force for this team. He has really done a good job recruiting some NBA guys. Neil Wagner has played for several several cycles with this uh, with this German national team now. Um, Daniel Theiss has been a big part. They've got some good. They've got some solid veterans as well, um, and so Franz Wagner is the rookie of this team. Um, and, and for Magic fans, what they want to see, and again, I think part of why Franz Wagner didn't play in Summer League is because they probably knew he was going to do this tournament. They didn't want to overtax him, and overwork him. They wanted him to get his skill work in early, come to this, come to this competition, play well in this competition, then go right into training camp. Um, you know, again, you don't want to overwork the guy or overload him. Give him, give him his time to rest. Ra- give him his time to rest. I'm sure this was part of the plan. And, and again, there you'll find varying arguments about this. Uh, the last time there's a big magic presence at EuroBasket um, was the last EuroBasket in 20, 2019, I think. Yeah, twenty nineteen. Um, Evan Fournier went had a fantastic tournament, helped France get the bronze medal. You know, Steve Clifford said Steve Clifford was a big believer: go play for your national teams. You come back already at a high level, already playing well, already in shape, ready to roll right into the season. And you know, Evan Fournier had a really poor twenty nineteen season. Had a fantastic 2020 season uh, for the Orlando Magic. Uh, did eventually get traded, of course, but had a really strong season, really strong showing for Orlando. It was a big part of why Orlando was able to withstand some of the injuries they had early in that season. Steve Clifford also credit Jonathan Isaac for coming in really ready to play uh, in the season from what he learned as part of the U.S. select team that summer as, as they were getting ready. Uh, for World Cup qualify for, for the World Cup uh in in a in a couple years there too. So uh, you know, again, you will find different proponents. I, I am a big fan of international play. Again, there's always a risk for energy. All these guys are playing, you know I know some people hate this. Paolo Bencaro is playing pickup runs in New York City right now. He's gonna play at the crossover in Seattle over the weekend. It's these guys are gonna play. Um, you know, do you want them playing in an organized setting? Do you want them playing in unorganized setting? That's that's a debate for another day, but for Paolo Bancaro, Carroll or for, sorry for Franz Wagner, this is going to be an interesting moment for him. I think um, first off, he is probably not going to be on the ball a lot. Um, so if you're looking for Franz Wagner to get kind of alpha m- minutes, that's probably not going to happen here. Um, a lot of these national teams, they do count seniority. They you know they they they're with the program for a long time. It's not that Franz hasn't been involved in the German net basketball program for a long time. This is his first time on the national te- on the senior men's national team, on the senior team. He's played on the youth teams. He's been a big part of those. But this is his first time on the senior team. This is Dennis Schroeder's team. I know that sounds weird to say. This is going to be Dennis Schroeder's team. It wouldn't honestly surprise me if Mo Wagner scores more than Franz Wagner or gets more shot opportunities. That's just kind of the way these teams... Are conducted and, and and the coach is going to have to get used to playing Franz. But here's one thing we know about Franz, and and, and really the big thing that I want to see from him in the tournament. We'll talk more about this as we get closer to the tournament in September, um and, and the end of August here. Um, the one thing that I really want to see from Franz is a just reinforce all the things that made him so special last year. His ability to score without being without the ball in his hands. Um, his ability to space the floor, his defense especially continuing to improve, and you'll begin to see hints of the areas that he's taken a leap in his game. And again, if, if he plays well, um, it's going to be hard to keep him off the floor, and it's going to be hard not to to do certain things. Now obviously, there, there's going to be a short time and, and that, that for this team to come together, so again, you're not going to see everything that we will see from Franz Wagner in the in the regular season. I mean, the way that France uses used Evan Fournier is very different than the way the Magic in the NBA use Evan Fournier. And People were like, "Well, why doesn't the NBA use Fournier that way if he's so effective?" But again, we we can kind of see why that's not how it works in the NBA. The the FIBA game very different than the NBA game. But this is a really exciting opportunity. I'm a big fan of guys going out and playing for their national teams. I think it's super beneficial gives us content uh, during an otherwise dead part of the season. I'm not going to complain about that. Um, but it's going to. I think it's going to be really, really fun to watch this. And, and I'm really happy for Franz. I'm really excited for him. It's going to be a lot of fun, especially playing in his home country during such a big tournament. Eurobasket has in the past been aired on ESPN, so we will get to watch all these games. We will get to see them all. And I'm really excited to get to see them too. So we will get a good look at those um, in the coming months. That's going to do it for that part of this. We want to go back and focus on Summer League. What are kind of the long-term things that we may have learned or the hints that we may have found in Summer League? We're going to get to those coming up in just a moment. But first, a quick word from our pals at Built Bar. From the people who invented healthy and tasty protein bars comes the latest gift to your taste buds. You've probably tried the amazing coconut brownie chunk Built Bar But guess what? Your friends at Built have given Coconut Brownie Chunk the puffs treatment. That's right, the Coconut Brownie Chunk Built Bar flavor you love and a deliciously chewy marshmallow covered in 100% real chocolate. It's like a fluffy cloud of coconut brownie goodness. Stop drooling and listen, though. They are good for you. They're low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, and completely delicious. Coconut Brownie Chunk Puffs are only here for a limited time, so go to Built.com now to make sure you do not miss out. They're going fast because they taste amazing. All Built Bars are made with collagen protein, which your body absorbs more efficiently and provides tons of health benefits. So eat something that tastes good and is good for you. The best part about Built Puffs is, of course, they taste amazing, but you can enjoy them guilt-free because they're actually good for you. They are the perfect treat, perfect when you've got a craving, you need to satisfy your sweet tooth, or if you need a quick, healthy snack, they're, the, they're an excellent source of protein and they taste delicious. Coconut-rich-sweet-brownie-creamy-marshmallow. Stop fantasizing. Get to Built.com in order to order your box of coconut-built chunk puffs right now. Go to Built.com, use promo code LOCK15, and get 15% off your order. Again, use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off your next order.
1: The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama.
0: Which NFL stars move the betting line the most? Well, starting July 18th, so that was Monday. Locked On gives you the 50 most valuable players in the NFL from the odds makers at Bet Online. Available now on the Locked On NFL YouTube channel or wherever you get podcasts. Check it out as the NFL season gets set to kick off. The Jacksonville Jaguars start their training camp on Sunday, so they get ready for the Hall of Fame game. So NFL season is already here. The dead times are almost gone. I know people here in Florida, as much as we love Orlando City and love the magic, um, the the good times are almost here with sports. So, we are still digesting uh, and and figuring out what we can glean from Summer League. Um, Look, I'm the first one here to tell you that Summer League is not super important. Um, you know, I'm the first one to tell people who are upset that Paolo Bancaro only played two games. We didn't get to him. They didn't play Franz Wager with him. Uh, yeah, that, 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 that doesn't really matter. Um, as I tell people all the time, Summer League isn't about what you can't, whether you can play. It's about whether you can't. You, find, you saw a lot of things that I think are going to be really, really interesting for them. A- at the end of the day, these are opportunities to evaluate players and to experiment a little bit in a low uh, in a low pressure environment. Uh, look, Paolo Bancaro said it himself. He was using Summer League to get himself back into into shape a little bit, um, and, and to kind of test himself out and see where he can go. Honestly, I would have liked to see him play one more game. I, I will I will say that on the record. Um, I, I don't disagree with what the Magic did, um, but I would have liked to see him play one more game just to see how he worked through what he learned in Game Two. Uh, game One, he was not not passive. But he was definitely easing himself in. Game two, he dove head first and sometimes he bumped into the wall and made pointed out, pointed those out throughout the game. Um, I would have liked to see where he found, found that happy medium in game three. Uh, and then I would have been fine. And honestly, I I would have been fine if he just played that first game. Like the like honestly, like I saw all I needed to see from him. But obviously, these are really good, important reps. There's opportunity for him to kind of learn and test some things, and that's okay. To some extent, the teams are doing this too. They're testing out their style. They're implementing the very basics of their system. And for a typical team, you know, for like an established team, summer league's not important for any of that. I will, I will grant all of that. For a team like the Golden State Warriors, they, the way their summer league team plays is not going to be super indicative of the way that they're going to play in the regular season because they don't have Steph Curry. Like again, it's, it's, it's those things. But for a rebuilding team like the Magic, there is maybe something that you can learn from the way that they play. So these are that that's kind of the takeaways that I want to kind of draw out here. First, though, let's start with the roster. Let's start with the players because at the end of the day, Summer League is an opportunity to evaluate individual players. It's an opportunity to say, this player works here, this player didn't do these things well, this, this player didn't, get, didn't receive coaching well. Now, at the end of the day, that's what... Summer league is most valuable for us. At least, kind of discerning. Okay, this guy might be able to play. Let's bring him into camp. Let's see what he looks like in um, free agency. Let's see what he looks like in the G League. Or this guy scored a lot of points, sure, but didn't do the, the way we wanted him to. With that being said, look, I talked a little bit about Paolo Bancaro before. Paolo Bancaro is that dude. Um, you know, I, again, I think there's still a leap to go from. Dominating the way that he dominated in Summer League to dominating uh, in the regular season. But Paolo is that dude. He was super impressive throughout all of Summer League. And, and, and honestly, in the two games that he played, he was very clearly the best player on the floor. And, and I don't think it was particularly close. Uh, he averaged 20 points per game, 6 assists per game, and really just did whatever he wanted. Both Sacramento and Houston we're doubling him very, very quickly. Uh, and again, this is summer league. You, you don't usually see teams like put like sophisticated double teams on him. Um, and you know, I think again, another thing that I just would have liked to see in a third game is see, you know, Paolo Bancaro sitting in the in the room with Jamal Mosley, understanding where those doubles are coming from, beginning to feel where those doubles are coming from, and to see whether he can adjust to them. Because surely, I mean, even with Chet Holmgren. Oklahoma City was going to bring the doubles on Paolo Bancaro because Paolo is it just he, he, no one in this at that level can defend him one on one. But look, everything Paolo did uh, in summer league was just in, incredibly impressive, just just hands down, just super impressive. And you know, again, you don't want to give into hyperbole too much. You don't want to sit here and say, oh, you know, this is that step or or, or, or whatever the case may be. You don't you don't want to go that far ahead, but by the same token, um he was really good. Like look, the footwork's all there in the low post. He sought out mismatches, he he attacked the weakness of whoever he was defending. He made excellent passes, he made excellent reads, he did he didn't seem like he ever took over the offense. Um again, he was a key part, the magic. Put him in a bunch of different spots. They used him as the point guard at the top of the key. They used him as a screener and pick and rolls. They used him as the nominal center. They put him everywhere on the floor, and it just didn't matter. He just did whatever he wanted. So, just he's just a really he was just a really really impressive player. And, and again, you know, again we got to see how it looks in October, how it looks in November. That's that's the stuff that matters. He's gonna have bad days. He's a rookie, but it was a really really impressive showing. From Paolo Bancaro, and, and, and uh, honestly, I I I I think that's the first takeaway of this. At at the end of the day, this was the biggest thing, um, is that the Magic looked like they really got a good player. Again, we got to see it, again. Like I I made this point about the, with the Donovan Mitchell stuff in our last episode. We got to have proof of concept. We got to see it actually play. The summer league game, but. Those uh, uh, um, you know clips from the pickup runs that he's doing in New York right now, where Donovan Mitchell actually is playing with him and against him at times, like that footwork is all there. Like he, I mean, he's just, just he's just so good. He's just he looked, he's gonna be really impressive. He's gonna be a really impressive player. The big kind of global things though, that I think for this Magic team really starts with that culture though, and Paolo embodied it. I, you know, you got to give Paolo credit. He's got all those questions about his defense. The biggest play that he made in all of Summer League was a block shot. Um, and a really impressive block shot. Blocking that Namias-Quida dunk from behind in that situation. That was a hell of a defensive play. And, and again, I think you know one thing that I said, I know I said this about Paolo, you know he can play very good defense. Now, it's again, can he do it every possession? Can he keep the focus up for 48 minutes? Can he keep the focus up for 82 games? Those are questions you ask of every rookie. It's not just him. Um, but... He is very capable of making big defensive plays. And this kind of selfless attitude that 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 he showed and that everyone on this Magic roster showed, to me, that really speaks to the way that this culture has been ingrained. Um, I give a ton of credit to Jesse Mermis, the Orlando Magic Summer League head coach. I give a ton of credit to Jamal Mosey. Obviously, he's the head coach of the team. They have created a culture and an atmosphere that pushes guys to play hard. And not only pushes guys to play hard, Guys want to play hard. Um, Look, I will get into this in in our next segment here, that the way the Magic were playing was not the way that their personnel was built. They were small in the backcourt. They had some immobile centers that they were using. They they were trying some very, very specific things um, that were honestly doomed to fail. Um, It it was not going to to, 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 to deliver... On court results again. That's not what summer league's about. Summer league is not about on court results necessarily. It's about kind of figuring some. It's kind of figuring and testing things out. But this team played hard. They were scrappy. They executed what they were asked to execute. Um, Again, there were some shortcomings there for sure, and some disorganization for sure, and and things that that, that you hope will uh, won't carry over, Um, especially the transition defense where they were a bit disorganized sometimes. But Orlando. Orlando's players played super hard, not just regular hard, super hard, and they did a lot of really good things. I, I was, I was blown away by how well the Magic played. Um, I was, I was down on this summer league roster. I looked at this roster and I was just like, I don't really see much there. Um, but they came away and they found some really good players. I, I liked what Emmanuel Terry did, and and I think he's ultimately a, a Lakeland guy, but he'll get a, he'll get a camp invite probably. Um. Tommy Cuse put himself in the running to maybe get a two-way contract. It's certainly a Lakeland, Lakeland job. Uh, Lakeland job. He played fantastic. He was feisty defensively. Uh, you know, just mixed things up, was really good. Uh, you know, there were just guys, uh, you know, Justin James, you know, not Justin James, uh, yeah, uh, played really, really well. They just, they're just, they're guys, and, and, and they're not going to be roster guys, let, let, let's be fair, Um, There are questions about the back end of the roster that that, that Summer League leaves, and and we'll get to those when we get closer to training camp. But um, they're not roster guys. They're fighting for a spot in Lakeland, but they embraced everything that this Magic team is about. And, And to me, that is a credit to the coaching staff and the culture that they're building.
1: The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama.
0: But at the end of the day, this is still about trying to figure out how the Magic are going to play. And again, I don't think the Summer League team is fully indicative of how the Orlando Magic are actually going to play basketball. Um, Look, I I think that the Magic were trying out some things. I think they were keeping things super basic. They obviously only had a, a, a week with these guys before they started playing games, um, and again, it's 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 a short training camp. It's not a lot of time. They're focused on a bunch of different things. Um, you know, I I think that there is still, there are still a lot of finer points to get down about the way the Magic want to run their offense and their defense. But the Magic, you know, are at a stage where every opportunity that they're on the floor they have to be working on something. They have to be improving on something. They have to be kind of setting themselves up for success. And and, and like I said, I think I said this throughout the course of the year last year, the Magic weren't ever really playing their roster. They're playing the roster they want to have. They're building the kind of foundations for who they want to be. And and, and that was still at work here. You know, I think one of the things that we saw, um, one of the things that I noticed was Orlando was switching one through five. Um, you know, that's a style of defense that the Boston Celtics and Miami Heat used heavily. They were your two Eastern Conference finalists. Boston had the top defense in the league last year by, by defensive rating. Um, they were a tough out in the, in the finals, even with Golden State, and Golden State figured them out a little bit, um, and you saw some of the shortcomings of that style of defense. But Orlando was absolutely testing their ability to switch one through five, and, and whether this is a style that works, and, and, and what they would need to do to execute this kind of defense. They switched everything. And again, this is in vogue in the NBA right now as a way to combat three-point shooting. Um, but they switched everything. And obviously having Paolo Bancaro, he's a guy that can defend anywhere on the floor. He's got the versatility to do that. Um, Emmanuel Terry, I thought, was a really interesting center spot. But you know, when they had Jeremiah Tillman out there, they were still switching. Jeremiah Tillman cannot guard in space. We saw Admiral Schofield as the back line help, as the, as the four, as the, weak side, as the weak side forward. He was doing his best to protect the paint, but he is not Jonathan Isaac. He is not Mo Bamba. He is not Wendell Carter. So, again, with the Summer League team, the results aren't the important thing. It's the how. It's how the Magic were trying to execute things and how the Magic were trying to do things. Um, they were able, you know, again, they played this. Very specific style of defense, and it may not be how they will always play. But you look at what the Magic are trying to build. You look at at how the Magic have kind of constructed this roster and what they valued. Versatility is big. The ability to play multiple positions, the ability to switch—that is a key part of who they want to be. Markel Fultz and Jalen Suggs are big guards. Wendell Carter can guard out on the perimeter. Mo Bamba is, is a great shot blocker, great weak side helper. Jonathan Isaac is a great backline stopper. They believe Paolo Bencaro and Franz Wagner can switch and probably play at all five positions at some point, even offensively a little bit. Um, this is who the Magic want to be. So it makes sense that they want to play this way. Um, we will obviously see how important switching is to their defense and, and how, how much these changes will influence the way the Magic want to run. You know, I think Jamal Mosley certainly... Uh, Certainly put some emphasis, you know, had a lot of emphasis on things. Throughout the course of the year last year, the Magic's defense got better as the year went on. They really found their groove, especially after that all-star break. Um, you know, again, a little bit of health probably helped there too. But they found their groove defensively. They did a lot of really good things at a good, you know, the only place where they really struggled was maybe getting back in transition, which they again struggled with here in summer league. But Orlando's gonna be focused on their defense and they are certainly very capable of playing defense at a high level, and this is going to be part of who they are. So what did we then learn about the Orlando Magic offensively, too? And I, and I think that's another big question as well. Obviously, the Magic didn't have the offensive weapons that they will have in the regular season. But then again, the Magic were 29th in the league in offensive rating last year, 28th in field goal percentage, and 28th in three-point field goal percentage. So do they really have weapons at all? Um, ben is going to change a lot of things. Um, you know, I think his ability to, to isolate, his ability to, to to track doubles, to draw fouls, that's gonna help. Um, you know, one area where Orlando has struggled over the last decade is the ability to draw fouls. Caro going to to the foul line 15 times in a game, and yes, it's summer league. There's a lot of fouls usually in summer league anyway. He's someone that's gonna be able to draw contact and be able to get to the line, and 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 that's that's gonna add points. Just just flat out, that's gonna add points. That's gonna make this Magic offense a whole lot more efficient. That's been a big piece. Missing. If he can draw two to him on those drives, that's going to lead to kickout opportunities. That's going to lead to three pointers. This Magic team is not afraid to shoot. They finished eleventh in the in the league last year in three point field goal attempts. In summer league, they were third or fourth in three point attempts per game. Now, a lot of that came on the back end with Paolo Bancaro out. Orlando lost their with Paolo Bancaro and R. J. Hampton out. Orlando lost their guy who can get to the paint. So. You know, I do bring up that the Magic are not going to be afraid to shoot threes. Three-pointers are an important part of modern offenses. Orlando is not going to hide from that just because they're not a great three-point shooting team today. They're not hiding from that. But I wouldn't take what they did in Summer League as a sign that they're just going to jack up threes like crazy. They're going to shoot 35 to 43s per game. They're probably going to settle on that 33 to 36, you know, maybe a little bit more than 35 three-point attempts per game. They're not going to be afraid to shoot, but it's not going to be who they are. Um, you know, in the two games that Bancaro played, I think they were under 33 point attempts per game. So losing Bancaro forced them to be more of a drive and kick team rather than a get to the line team. And again, in those last three games, they lived and died on their three-point shooting. When their three-pointers didn't fall, they got blown out. When their three-pointers fell, they were, they were able to be competitive. Again, it's a, it's a simple league sometimes, just makes, make shots. It's a make-or-miss league. Um, but again, I think that what we saw is an, an evolution in Orlando. Orlando is going to be willing to shoot threes. Orlando is going to make three-point shooting part of their offense, even if they don't have great three-point shooters. And it's going to be the task of the Magic to figure out how to collapse a defense and get open threes. Orlando has willing passers. That's a great place to start. Franz, Markel, Jalen, Wendell, Paolo, all those guys are willing passers. So it's just going to be about making the right reads. And again, these are young guys are going to make some mistakes. They're going to maybe force some things. They're going to get into some bad habits, some youthful habits at times. But they're not going to be afraid to shoot. And it's just going to be an offense that I think is going to be about driving kicks is going to be about kind of cycling through and getting the ball moving somehow, touching the paint and getting the ball moving. That was where the Magic really struggled in those last three preseason, uh, last summer league games. It was where they were really successful with both RJ Hampton and Paolo Banchero. I'll give RJ some love on that. Um, they were able to do really well on those kickouts and get good opportunities. That's what this offense is going to be about. But again, we don't know the full extent of it because, A, Markel Fultz isn't playing. Um, you know, Paolo Bancaro is not going to get a lot easier shots when Markel Fultz is passing in the ball. Wendell Carter is not out there setting screens. Life's going to be a lot e- lot easier when that happens. Um, again, there are hints of what this could be, but it, it's not the full, complete picture yet. Again, take what you will from Summer League. Um, you know, I I, I don't want to harp on it too much. You know, again, it's it, it just happened. We're kind of digesting it a little bit. It is... A hint. It is not the full picture. Uh, it, that, that's, that's the most important thing, but it did leave some clues for who this magic team is going to be. And again, we will see in October what they ultimately look like. And again, just some things to think about, keep an eye on, uh, and, and consider as we get ready for training camp here in, in the next couple of weeks. And obviously, we're going to be in a little bit of a foul, a dead period right now until Eurobasket starts. Uh, with, with basketball. The schedule will come out eventually in, in August. You know, Again, it'll, the NBA will kind of, kind of throw their hands up and say, well, if you're not training Kevin Durant, we're going to put you on TV 25 times. Um, that's 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 what we're waiting for at this point. That's kind of the next big thing on the calendar. And before you know it, it'll be training camp time at the end of September. But that's going to do it for me today. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked on Magic. Of course, find me on Twitter, at Philip RR underscore MD. Follow the podcast wherever you download podcasts on Apple Podcasts, if you're in, Google Play, Spotify, Odyssey, and, and wherever else you find podcasts that you can download to your podcast enabled listening device. For the latest on the Orlando Magic, including a look at the Orlando Magic Small Forward Group, check out magicdaily.com. You can follow us on Twitter there at daily That's going to do it for me today, though. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked On Magic. Now that you're done listening to us, be sure to check out the Locked On NBA podcast covering the, what's going on around the NBA as we get into the off season. But that's going to do it for me today. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked On Magic. Orlando Magic, daily Locked On Managing.